Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football. The end of fall camp, we're in a mock game week. And of course, UNLV kickoff just days away on September 1st. We're going to talk with the coach, Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com for all of the coach's commentary on USC football. If you have any questions or comments for us, we love to hear from you. Podcast at uscfootball.com. That's the email, or you can call or text. The number is 424-254-9141. We love to hear from you. We've got a lot of questions to get to today. We're going to ask the coach all of them and see what he thinks. What's up, coach? How you doing, man? Well, I'm doing great, buddy. i tell you, it's, uh, it's busy for everyone. As everyone gets ready for the opening of uh, college football, it's exciting. This weekend, of course, there's two games. And uh, then we roll into next weekend of real college football. Not that it isn't real college football this weekend, but it's always nice for the NFL to give Labor Day to college football. And uh, what a way to kick off this year. We've got a lot of great games, especially in the Pac-12, the Washington-Auburn game and other games, and, of course, the most important game to all the Trojan fans is the opening game for the Trojans in the Coliseum. For sure. UNLV on September 1st, like I said. Before we jump in, talk about fall camp and everything going on leading up to the season, wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. If you go to SoCalTix, S-O-C-A-L-T-I-X.com or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287, just talk to Curtis. Tell him the coach sent you. If you want to go to see the Dodgers, who've been struggling a little bit lately, hey, you want to go see Mike Trout, one of the best players in the game, uh, or you know, baseball across the country. And then, of course, football's coming up, too. I think we're, what, six days away from the first football game? So we got all that going on, NFL preseason. Uh, I think the Rams are in town this weekend. Uh, you need tickets for anything, or if you want to go to a play, something like that, you can do all of that. With Southern California tickets, give them a call, 1-800-888-7287, and Curtis will take care of you. All right, Coach. Well, here's the way that, that USC has been breaking it down. Normally, you're saying, okay, this is like the third week of fall camp. But the way they're clarifying it, they're, they're classifying this, fall camp is now over. This is now a mock game week. So we had a scrimmage on Saturday that, you know, like 50 plays or so, little bit mixed reviews. I guess you could say from, from that uh, this week is really, it's supposed to be like a game week. So they had some sort of walkthrough on Monday. They had uh Tuesday. We saw practice yesterday. It was full competition uh, practice Tuesday, full pads uh, today. We'll be, I'll be heading out there right after we record this. So by the time you hear this, you probably, it's already happened, but they'll have their normal Wednesday practice and shells. Um, then we're closed out. So Thursday, uh, that practice is closed. We can get to talk to Clay Helton afterwards. Then uh, Friday is more of a pregame walkthrough like they would normally do. And then Saturday is the mock game, which is also closed and we won't be able to see. So today is really the last chance we kind of get to see them uh, before this mock game stuff happens. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that format, Coach, if you like it, if you think they just do another week of, of camp. 
How do, how do you feel this should have gone down, or do you like the way it's going down now? Well, I think it's great to get in a routine. I think a routine is something players get used to, and I think it doesn't hurt at all to go through this routine. And I'm assuming, I don't know, that Friday night uh, before the scrimmage on Saturday, they'll probably spend the night in the hotel and go through that procedure as far as how you get ready for meetings and what you go through. So it isn't like they're all lost the day of the game and they don't know exactly what's going on or the procedures or whatever his philosophy is as far as getting ready for a football game on Saturday and Friday night, the meetings. So I think they'll do that. I think having a scrimmage on Saturday isn't really going to hurt anybody. I would tell everybody that I think that it's time that you get well. I think when it gets near game time, it's amazing what that uh, secret medicine does that gets everybody well because camp's about over with and it's time to play a football game and all of a sudden from 15 injured players, you'll probably end up with one or two that's had surgery that can't play. So I think just sort of sending a message out that, hey, guys, it's over with. It's now time to go to war. And uh, I think that that, I think it's good. I think it's brisk, brisk uh, good contact. Uh, uh, no one will get hurt. Uh, you know, full speed stuff. I really believe that with officials, call the penalties, do everything short yardage, work on everything you need to do. Substitution. If there's a fumble, the defense goes on the field. Uh, it's not like a, a script. It's a real game. I think it's good to, uh, call a PAT team and see if, see if everybody's paying attention or a field goal to see if you only have 10 guys out there and you need 12 out there. I think it's good to do that and test the phones and everything, the procedures that you're going to use. I think that's good. And uh, I know a lot of people think it's too late to hit, but, you know, like I've said all along, we used to hit every week. Uh, I mean, we'd hit even on Thursdays. We'd have a goal line. That'd be the last day we would hit. Thursday, and then we'd play on Saturday. But we always did short yardage and goal line on Thursday because that's the biggest play there is. If you can't get in the end zone, you're not going to score. You got to defend that line. The same thing on defense. So we used to do that, and we do field goals, but not live to get ourselves just ready to play football. Carry that uniform around for one more time. So I think that's important. Uh, I don't think they, you know, uh, have had a real physical camp. So I think they need to really tune the engines up and decide who's going to be playing football for USA, at least starting the first game. So the, you know, I would think that this was a little bit more physical as far as some of the other camps. There was probably more live tackling drills. Now, still not a ton, and there's all kinds of new rules that they don't allow you to do a lot of different things. But um, overall, were you, did you like how physical it was? Would you? I mean, obviously you want it to be a little bit more physical than what it was, but what do you feel like compared to some of the other camps you saw? Well, I, I think it was, uh, some days it was pretending, like the last Saturday's uh, scrimmage uh, at uh, USC. They didn't want to practice. Uh, they were tired. They had had to salute to Troy. Everybody told them how great they were. And they went out there and they just went through the motions. They really did. They couldn't pass block. And they ended up running the ball at the end of the game. And tackles were hurt and couldn't play and all the excuses that you can have. It's just that they didn't want to practice. That's what the excuse was. They just didn't want to practice. So uh, uh, I think that uh, they they could have had a more physical uh, camp. I didn't really see them work short yardage much as far as when you have to run the ball in or get in your jumbo or whatever you want to call your uh, 
breaker. I used to call it breaker because uh, when I yell breaker, it means this next play is going to break or make us. And and that was our short yardage offense. And not just passing the ball, but running the ball. Now, I've seen them work a lot on throwing the ball in the goal line. All the time they work on throwing the ball at the goal line. And I think you would agree with me, right? But I don't see them working on all the time running the ball in the goal line. I don't see that at all with double tight and uh, taking the players off the edge where you can get up the field and make that most valuable yard that you need or take the ball into center and do a quarterback sneak and doing it live. Uh, I haven't seen much of that. I've seen a lot of passing. And then when I watched the scrimmage last Saturday in the first 10 plays, I'm assuming it was 10 plays, eight of them were run or were pass. So I decided to doubt uh, everybody's talking about we're a running football team. We're a running football team. Well, I think you got to demonstrate that you're a running football team. And uh, I think that these guys have got to get the timing down to be able to be great backs. And they do have the potential of being great backs, but you got to build the confidence up, too, that you can run the football. And I think also that the defense has had an edge because they've let everything go. Everything goes, and they've been able to you know, get a lot of stats as far as how many times they sacked the quarterback and all of that which means they weren't really game-planned, obviously. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of work to do, and, and if I was Coach Helton, which he, he is, I'm not, I'd be doing what he's doing, too. you got a lot of polishing to do. The, uh, I guess the, the number of injuries that we've seen, uh, pretty significant. You know, a lot of guys missing camp. And it's funny, Dan Weber was talking to Sean Cody at practice yesterday, uh, on Tuesday, and, Sean, and was asking him, hey, do you remember um, this many guys like being out for, for a scrimmage situation? Because Sean Cody showed up on Saturday, too, and it was like this kind of – they cut the scrimmage short. You know, they, they didn't do some of the two-minute drills because a couple of the tackles got hurt. Um, and I, I think the sentiment from Sean Cody was, just to paraphrase, like, yeah, I mean, they might have a couple of guys out, but never like, you know, 20, 25 guys that weren't, weren't out there. I don't know if just the nature of the game has changed, but – when you see something like that, is that sort of surprising to you? It really is. Uh, I, I don't know if they're protecting them, but there's nothing to protect. If you're a football player, you got to get out there and play. If you're not hurt, then you got to be on the field. you got to earn your food, earn your living, become a better football team. And did they become better on Saturday? No, I don't think they did. Because too many of their players were watching and not playing. Now, I'm not saying that any injured player should be playing, but if you have a hangnail or a bloody nose, I don't know if you consider that being injured. And again, uh, you should be more engaged in what's going on and wanting to get on the field, not taking a day off. And and uh, a lot of times guys take a day off. And if you take a day off, you'll take a day off in a game. It becomes a habit. What's your breaking point? I mean, uh, you can't be broken down. You've got to be able to compete. And and play in the old days, and I know the that was the old days, the old term used to be run it off. And I know that's not a good term, but that's what it used to be if you were a football player. And, of course, that isn't exactly how we coach, but that was a term when I played. I mean, man, I never had an x-ray. It was get in the tank, put some energy bomb on it, take a salt pill, and we'll see you at the second practice. And uh, not that that's the right way to be, but we didn't have any heat strokes and we didn't have any type of serious injuries. And the guys, I guess, were just tougher then. I don't know. But I think you've got to you get your body accustomed to playing football. 
so that if you get hit, you're used to it, and your body's used to taking a blow. And I think sometimes you protect the body too much without it becoming accustomed to contact. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and, you know, there's you're always going to be pro protecting the player, you know, but sometimes it gets to the point where there's just not a lot of guys practicing and you're wondering like, yeah, if it was a game, would these guys be playing? Um, you know, it, it was just a different era. Even back then, even, you know, not that long ago when Sean Cody was playing, you know, 12, 15 years ago, whatever it was. Um, well, let's jump into some of these. Well, questions. I'm going to tell you what, okay. I'm going to tell let me just interrupt you. No problem. The old term used to be, if you don't practice, you don't play. Yeah. Okay. If you don't practice, you don't play. So make up your mind. If you want to get on the field on Saturday, you got to practice. You don't all of a sudden on Friday feel good again. You got to be able to practice to get good and execute the game plan we have and be conditioned so you can represent your team. All right. Well, let's, uh, we got questions of kind of a wide variety of topics. So we'll just kind of go through them and get your thoughts on what's going on. We have Kevin in North Tustin. He said, would love to hear your thoughts about how JT Daniels compares to other, other quarterbacks you've seen come through over the years. I recall hearing Greg Biggins on the podcast of champions say that JT was quote elite. And I'm talking elite in all capital letters, E L I T E. Do you agree? Uh, who has been better or on par? And he says, also curious uh, on your thoughts of how long Clay prolongs his decision to keep at least one of the quarterbacks from transferring before the season. Seems to me if he beats them out officially too soon, they could be screwed. Interested in your thoughts. Uh, Kevin and North Tustin, any thoughts on that, Coach? Well, obviously he's a great player, okay? He's the real deal. Is he elite? I'll wait and find out. Let's see how he does on this level. He was in high school. They won the national championship in modern day. He started as a freshman all the way through. But now he's gone to a different level, and uh, he's got this opportunity to prove he's elite. So uh, is he elite yet? I, I can't say that on this level. Uh, when I've watched all the practices out there, let me ask you this, Ryan. If I took all the jerseys and you didn't know who was out there and I changed all the jerseys numbers, 19, 18, 10, and mix them around. It would take you a while, I think, to figure out who's who, because I don't think there's that much of a separation from what I've seen. I think one is one move, they, two of them move around a little bit better than JT because he's more of a pocket guy. But I don't know if there's a big separation between him and Sears right now. There it appears to be by the way the media is talking about it and preseason publications, but Hey, let's see what happens on Saturday. And everybody else has got to remember, too, these other guys are champions and winners, too. And they worked hard in camp, and they're one play away from winning. You hope he's elite. You hope they're all elite, because that way you have a better chance of winning. But is he elite yet? I can't say that yet. On the high school level, absolutely. On the college level, we got to wait and see. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach. I think arm talent-wise, I mean, you look at him – uh, and I, I feel he can get the ball outside the numbers quicker than the other guys can do. Like if you're looking for some of those NFL abilities, I think JT Daniels brings all of that and more to the table. Um, you know, I, he's been groomed to be a quarterback since he was a kid. Uh, you, you, you can kind of see all that uh, with JT Daniels. As far as like the transferring stuff, um, I, I don't think at this point, I think it's a little different than what you saw with Max Brown and what you're seeing uh, here and we've seen quarterbacks transfer even you know later in the process and you're still 
you know, you're still going to be sitting out. Um, so I, I don't really think that's going to have as much to do with it. I know there was a lot of hubbaloo, whatever, last time, what they, you know, didn't want Max uh, Brown to transfer. I, I don't think it's the same sort of situation here. I do feel like they, he wants to just take as much time as possible to to name the guy. And, uh, you know, taking the jersey the jerseys away, coach, and, and the names, um, I mean, that's why I chart all the competitive throws. And just from charting it, JT Daniels has the highest completion percentage. He's, you know, he threw a couple of picks yesterday in practice, but I think, you know, the more, he's had the more upside as far as like better looking throws and um, things like that, you know, more touchdowns. So, and he really hasn't had the kind of bad sub 500 days, you know, under 50% passing that the other two quarterbacks have had. So to me, he's just been the more consistent guy. But you don't know. I mean, Clay Helton's a guy that gets paid millions of dollars to make decisions like this. We don't get paid millions of dollars, Coach, so it's we can't really make that call. No, and it's just our opinion. And I'm not watching them on tape every day, and I'm not in uh, meetings with them to see who knows what and what the way they've adapted to the game plan. I know that, that he's a different type of quarterback, and you're going to have to pass block for him and give him time. Now he can throw quickly, don't get me wrong, the quick release that he has. But you've got to be able to run the football. If you don't run the football, the kid won't have a chance because people are what they're going to do is just line up and say, this guy's going to pass the football, so we're going after him. Yeah, We're going to give him every single look that he hasn't seen or maybe seen, and we're going to go after him. And uh, we're going to cut down the type of routes he can run. He's not going to have a seven-step uh, drop very often and be able to read our coverages. We're going to disguise our coverages, and we're going to go after him. Because if you don't run the football, and of course, I've seen a couple of screens, I've never seen a draw out there, and I've never seen him really establish a running game. Where you have a series, where you run series is where he can come out and bootleg and do different things to get out of the pocket. Now they do sprint right, left, and so on to get away from the pressure. But you can find other ways of doing that, and I think they need to establish that to give the kid a chance. You know, that's a great, you, a great segue to Tarek's question. Is the offense building on plays during drives, or are they still just calling plays? Well, you know, I'd like to think they have a reason why they do certain things, but I try to figure it out a lot because I I, I don't understand. They get, they get all these great tight ends, and they got two more commits of great tight ends, but they really don't utilize the tight end, and then, Every press conference or article I read, they talk about we're going to work on the tight end. We're going to get the ball to the tight end. And I don't really see that. I don't see the mismatches with the tight end really going out in the slot or flanked way out or doing different things that you can do with the receiver type of tight end, which they are. They're not really a blocking type of tight end where you run with them inside. They are more of a receiver type of tight end. So you need to utilize that, and I haven't seen that in the fall. I would say in the fall camp, and you chart everything, I don't. With the number of practices that I've been there, I'll bet you all the tight ends combined. Now, this is in a full scrimmage. Combined might catch 15 passes. The whole camp. Now, tell me if I'm right or wrong. You do all the stats. Yeah, there's not a lot. <laughs> there's not a lot of that. And and I think the, the other point here, Coach, with Tarek is – that most of the time you're seeing these quarterbacks come out and they might get three, four, five reps in a row. 
And a lot of times it's situational. They're all third and eights or they're all, you know, they're things like that where it's not, there's never, there's not a whole lot of opportunities to build up a drive. That's going to be a 10 play drive. Now those aren't super common in games anyway, but if you want to see like play calling progress, I don't think there's a great opportunity for that in, in camp and in the practices, just kind of the nature of what we see out there. But most of the time you throw a quarterback out there and if they get five plays in a row, that's good. You know, that's, it's not really a chance to build it up and you might be doing all the plays from the exact same spot, you know, or, or move it around the different hash marks with the same, same yardage marker. So I don't know if it's easy to answer Tark's question that can you really see the offense being built up when that's not like kind of what you're, they're really doing out there. No, he's right. Uh, you know, you got to have more situational times when you do drive the ball. Like you got to come out at the five. And what do you do when you're on your own minus five? What are you going to do? How are you going to get out of there? What type of plays are you going to run? Or uh, if you're in the red zone and it's first down, what are you going to do? When are you in two down territory? When did your play caller know that, okay, I don't want to waste the first down play because it's going to be second and 10 if the pass is incomplete? You've got to be able to know time and distance on the clock and know where you are and start to work on those things. If you don't work on those things, you just can't go in and all of a sudden game day say, okay, it is 60 seconds left in the game or the half. What are we going to do? And we're on this area of the field, you know, and you can't be looking to the sideline all the time to get the play, but you're burning daylight and time. You got to have a series. You got to let your quarterback audibleize it, know already where he is, what goes. Not substitute a lot. That's wasting more time. Uh, get out of bounds. You got to work on all that stuff. And unless you do, it doesn't become a habit. It doesn't become rhythm. And uh, you got to really have game situation type of plays where the offensive line and the backs go 15 plays. The reason why. You want the conditioning at the end of the drill, not at the beginning of the drill. You want it to be the same the whole time. But you went down there when you get down there in the scoring area, you got to be fresh and you got to be alert and you got to be able to adjust the different looks you're going to see and and defenses and and all of the above. The same way on the defensive side of the football, you got to be able to get all your guys on the field if you're going to rotate them and not get a delay a game or too many players on the field. You've got to practice those things. You're not just going to walk around on a normal Saturday and do it. You've got to do it in a game situation several times so that you get accustomed to holding, wearing the proper pants, wearing the proper jersey, tucking your jersey in, all the ways you've got or what you have to wear on game day. You can't cut your pants or wear short pants in practice and all of a sudden on game day wear the regular pants you're supposed to wear. I noticed the last practice I was at, they were back in the regular pants they're supposed to wear. But you've got to be ready for those type of things, and you've got to practice the way you're going to play. And I think it goes from uniform to everything you do. All right, let's go to Keith in New Jersey. East Coast question. He says, getting, re- uh, getting ready slash excited slash nervous for another season. I have to share with you a major concern I have with the schedule and precisely where a certain game is on the schedule. And outside of you labeling it as a quote-unquote trap game recently in Sports Illustrated, I don't see slash here too many with the same preseason view I have. University of Arizona scares the heck out of me as a Trojan fan. Also due uh, to when USC plays them, along with Tate, seemingly the most underrated player 
Uh, and Arizona, the most underrated team in the nation. I believe the Arizona game is the make-or-break game for 2018. I don't care what USC's record is coming into it. This game is a table setter for the rest of the season for USC. It could be a triumphant March into October, or it could be, lead to a tragic October and November in terms of football, of course, and nothing else. So Ryan and Harvey, please tell me, am I overdoing it with Arizona, or do you agree? Are we in panic mode already, regardless of the Stanford and Texas results? Thanks, guys. Fight on. Keith in New Jersey. I'll give you a quick thought. I completely agree. Uh, young defense from last year that struggled, but I think they're going to, a lot of those freshmen are becoming sophomores and they're going to be a lot better. Khalil Tate is scary good. Um, and I think Kevin Sullivan will be able to keep that thing rolling. So they're a dark horse for me in the South. And after such a touch sep tough September, I do look at that as a trap game. That's the one you got to look at. Cause even if USC plays well against Stanford and Texas, and is able to beat Washington State on a Friday night, that road trip to Arizona, you could be riding high and uh, thinking that you're going to cruise and you don't, or you could be struggling a little bit and then they take advantage of it. So there's there's a lot of potential there for an upset, I think, Coach. Well, there's always a potential for an upset. You know, first of all, a coach would look at a trap game as UNLV and the next game Stanford, the next game Texas. They don't look that far ahead. Well, let me give you a comparison. I'm USC. I'm in my third year with Coach Clay Helton. I've had the number two recruiting class in the country, or fourth recruiting class in the country. We've gone 11 and three, and we've gone 10 and three. Arizona has just completely fallen apart. Yes, they got Tate. Uh, they never are in the top 10 or 20 in recruiting. They've got a new coach with a new system and new assistant coaches, and and he's a great coach, but he couldn't get it done at Texas A&M, which is somewhat of a great program. And I think he's a great person. Now, who would I say the favorite is and who should win that football game? I mean, why is that a scary game if everybody comes to play and my players are better than your players and I coach them up? We're going to beat your butt. If we don't, then I expect to be ripped because that is not a game we should lose if we're going to be the USC that everyone expects them to be. Arizona's got a great program. They're part of the Pac-12. Uh, in Vegas, they're 5.5. Which way would you go, over and under? Now, let me ask you, is that a scary game? Every game is scary for a coach. I used to say before a game, I don't know if we're ready to play. I don't know if we're ready to play. It really bothers me tonight. I don't know. I don't know. And they'd come out and play a great football game, or we'd be all ready to play. We'd play a terrible football game. But with the roster at USC and the tradition of USC, Arizona's never gone to the Rose Bowl. Never. The only team in the Pac-12 that's never gone to the Rose Bowl. Now, yeah, they could beat you. But please, if you're planning on beating Stanford, who would you take in the Stanford-Arizona game? Who would you take in the Texas-Arizona game? Who would you take in the Notre Dame-Arizona game? I think you'd take the same people I would. So this has got to be a game that you're just better than they are. And you've got to be able to win these football games or you're not who you are. So that's what I'm talking about. You got to be who you are with your identity, and you got to go in and prove to people that we are who we are, and you went and you can't beat us. All right, let's go to Paul in San Marino. Thanks for that one, Keith from New Jersey. But Paul says I have a major question concerning injuries to the probable starters. Uh, I read an article recently that all the players are being held out of Saturday scrimmage. So yeah, shotgun puts a uh, a lot of 
uh, data together on all the people that have been out for every practice. So he's been tracking this a lot. And I know other people have been writing about it as well. So do you think this is being too overly cautious? I keep hearing Coach Hyde saying over and over that the more physical contact the players experience, the tougher they get and would eventually show the other teams how tough the Trojan players can be. Do you think these highly ranked players are made of glass or are they just being conditioned incorrectly? Please give me your opinion on this matter. Fight on, Paul and San Marino. We talked about this a little bit, but maybe give thoughts on what Paul was asking. Well, Paul, let me put it to you this way. I think when you come to USC, you're already a star. You carry your helmet around. And uh, you're uh, already somebody that uh, people say, oh, he's a great one. He's a this one. SC got him. He's part of the player of the year and all these different things. A lot of these other schools, these kids work harder because they really have something to prove. Not that USC players don't have something to prove, but they got to find out what it's all about and where do you bond? How do you become a football team? What was basic training about in the service? When someone was in your face and you were getting ready to go to war and you knew some of you weren't going to make it, well, this is what camp is all about. You can't be a star before you go to camp. you got to prove that you have the potential of being a star. And I think some of the other programs have a will to probably prove something more because they were not recruited by certain programs. They work hard. They wear their uniforms are where they're supposed to be. They're yes sir, no sir type of guys. Uh, they don't get their feelings hurt as often. And I think it's a different culture. But when you go to certain schools, uh, you've got to be able to uh, uh, mold yourself into what uh, the program is. Now, if you watch, and I don't know how many people watch, and I don't like to compare other programs, but look around and compare the, some programs and and how they dress, how they walk, how they talk, and what they do. And uh, I think you have to learn to do that. you got to learn to walk as a Trojan. you got to pay the price as a Trojan. you got to be able to say, we deserve to win because we work to win. And uh, we don't expect anything to be given to us. We want to earn everything that we get. And you earn that through hard work and not living on your laurels. And I think that... Uh, that is something that when you're at a top school such as USC, that the players have got to become, become more united as a group through this type of program where, like you said, the Cody Jones and the other co- great players, the Richard Woods and all these guys have gone through, the Brad Buddies and so on. You don't want them looking at you like, hey, man, you, you don't even know what it's like. Hey. You want them looking at you and saying, hey, man, I've been through this, too. You're going to make it. Everything's going to be okay. You're going to be a Trojan. And have the respect of everyone, too. So, you know, it's a different game, and they're different kids and a different philosophy, and there's a lot of things that are different. I'm the first to recognize that. If I went back into coaching, I'd have to change a lot of things. I would. I know that. But I think there's nothing better than discipline. I think there's nothing better than a kid to know where he stands and what you expect of him. And you have rules. You don't have a lot of them, but the rules you have, you enforce. All right. Thanks for that one. Let's go to Dr. Levi. Uh, he says, based on what you've seen in camp so far, does the performance of the offensive line and tight end in blocking the defensive line concern you? 
Well, I would say yes. Uh, you want honest answers? I give you honest answers. And, of course, this is just my opinion. Uh, you've been blocking a pretty good defense. It's doing a lot of different things out there. When I see them, they do everything. And they fly around, and they're good athletes. They're really good athletes on defense. So you've been able to face something and some guys that are pretty good, but has the offensive line improved during camp that they're getting used to playing against these type of athletes and the defenses that they're seeing, and are they improving their performance against the defense? Uh, I don't know. I don't go to every practice. I don't watch all the films, but I watch the scrimmages. I sort of see the same mistakes or the same missed blocks, and I don't see, you know, what I want to see as far as improvement as much as it should be, I feel. So uh, I don't know if they've improved. I hope they've improved. Uh, uh, they've got some great veterans, and they're all four- and five-star guys. So what can I say? You better improve or else uh, you're not going to move the football either on the run or the pass blocking because you can't get it done. You've got to be able to communicate it. You've got to be able to move your feet, and you've got to be able to block downfield and block the next level and pass block. And I think that's all part of understanding the entire package that T. Martin's putting together. We uh, had a couple of text questions real quick. Uh, Reno SC texted in, any idea how much Clay Helton's buyout is? I think this job is just too much for him. We might be looking at a five and seven record. Um, don't know what the buyout is, uh, Reno SC. I don't, I wouldn't be too concerned about it. I don't think it's, if, if USC went five and seven and, and Linswan wanted to get rid of him, I don't think that would be, uh, a factor. I think they could do it. I don't see USC going five and seven. Um, I know there's some negative people out there, coach, but I, I, I don't see something like that happening. No. And we shouldn't even start a season talking about things like that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that's, uh, Reno, uh, uh, USC, uh, you know, be positive. Clay Elton's a great guy and we want to get it done. The Trojans want to win. When I talk about the football philosophy that I talk about and what I see is just my vision of it, not really what they're trying to accomplish. I'm not sure. I'm not in the meetings. But if you want me to continue to be honest like I'm trying to be, then we'll, we'll say it. And right now, I hope Clay Helton's at USC for 20 years. So that's how I feel. We had another text. Uh, he said, what player are you most surprised with, either positively or negatively? Um, I'll throw out uh, Kanai uh, Mauga or Monk. I forget how they – it says a different – it seems like it's different every time. But uh, the linebacker from Hawaii, uh, Kanai Mauga, he's really been impressive out there. Um, just one of those guys that came in and you weren't really sure, like, oh, what's he going to do? Um, like a Jordan Iosefa, you know, also from Hawaii, but just comes in, looks like a man, put on weight. And he's been he's been great. I don't know if there's anyone that kind of surprised you at all, Coach. No, he's he's, he's a great player. I'd start him. Uh, doesn't he play the same spot Port Augustine's playing, or is he opposite? Yeah, he's. I think they, they've moved the guys around a little bit, so doing some outside there. I think they've tried him. He's he's played that role. Uh, they've moved Christian Rector over there. Um, no, yeah. Rector can't play that. Rector's got to be inside. He's not quick enough, but. Uh, 
as far as uh, these two kids you just mentioned, I can't pronounce their names either. I know their numbers, but I can't pronounce their names. <laughs> I'd start them against UNLV. You think they deserved it? They've been out there all camp. They deserve it. And why take a chance? Porter's got to get himself back in shape. Why jeopardize anything? Let these kids play. But they might need to play the entire season. So not that you're overlooking UNLV, but when guys go to camp and play hard every single day and they're good, then play them. That's my philosophy. They've earned it. Yeah. Um, Speaking of UNLV, Big Nick from Cyprus, a.k.a. Big Nick 21 USC from the P, says, what's one thing UNLV does well that might give USC fits in the game in two weeks? Fight on. Can't wait for the season to begin. Bring on the UNLV Rebels. Well, I'll tell you what. They have a couple of uh, outstanding running backs. They really do. They got a running quarterback. Uh, I don't think this is anything that is a surprise to anybody. Uh, Cooper, their quarterback, is from Southern California. Everybody knows that I think, yeah, they went to the championship game in the Coliseum. He's played there. So it's not like he hadn't played in the Coliseum. They've got a couple of running backs that really play well. Uh, uh, Their offensive line is bigger and physical more than last year. Their defense is improved. they got a new defensive staff. Uh, Special teams are good. Uh, Now remember, this is a Mountain West Conference team stepping up a level, and it's a bowl game for them. Uh, They have so many players from Southern California that There'll be a lot of uh, parents there and fans there cheering their kids on. They're a 27-point underdog, and they know that. So here's what you look at. Uh, you look at if I'm USC, I want to, yes, I want to win the football game, but I want to work on things that I get, get better at. I mean, if they can beat their corners and throw touchdown passes every play with Pittman and Vaughn or Brown, yeah, that's great. But did you get better? Did you improve your series? Did you run the football so that when you go to Stanford, you have confidence in these things and you'd be able to look at it? Or are you going in to cover the spread? I wouldn't go in trying to cover the spread. I'd go in to see if I can become a better football team on things I'm not very good at. And as a football coach, I'd look and say, we're not very good at this on offense or defense, and we're going to do it to get better. And UNLV will give you a, a fist fight. They got a coach that's a young, enthusiastic uh, coach. They got a offensive line coach and an offensive coordinator that comes from Nebraska. They know what they're doing. Defensive coordinator comes from Florida. So they've been there with the lights on. In fact, their offensive coordinator was the coach that beat USC, I think, in the Holiday Bowl when he was down there. He was the interim head coach. So, you know, they're going to come in and they're going to play. Now, do they have the same number of athletes USC has? No. They're not saying they do. Do they have the budget USC has? No. They're not saying they do. But I think they'll come in and play hard. Western Michigan came in and played hard. And I think it's part of being a pride of a football program. And they could lose badly. But I think that USC should work on what they need to do to get better for Stanford and Texas than to worry about covering the spread. One last one for your coach, Jason in Longhorn country. He said in high school, I was in a run heavy district. So we ran the four, four defense most of the time. 
As a result, our quote-unquote strong safety was essentially the strong side outside linebacker. I was wondering if you could expand upon the main differences between the strong and free safety positions and the evaluation that goes into deciding whether a player is a strong or free safety in SC's 2-4-5 defense. Fight on, Jason in Longhorn country. Well, a strong safety is more of a physical type of guy that if you play a lot of man two, you want to be able to have him fill off tackle, cover the tight end, and switch off with you in the linebacker. The free safety is more of a, uh, a taller kid, uh, more of a guy that's a center fielder in baseball. I would, I would say that's what I would call him, more of a guy that can really run cover too well and go up and get the ball in the zone and and uh, a strong safety is a guy who wants to knock your head off. You can play him up and do a zero coverage and put him on the line and and always almost becomes like another well, linebacker. He does, and he can do either or. Uh, free safeties are more of uh, 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 not. They all hit now. Martell, uh, tell tell it really hits. I'm telling you, he's a very physical free safety. I think he's going to be a great free safety. Okay. Bubba Bolden, too. I think they're both great fields. They could go either way. Those two could rotate. I mean, it's uh, free or strong. They're really good players. I think they're great athletes, and they'll both play in the NFL someday. But that's basically the difference. You, you're, you're, you're strong safety if you look at last year, Chris Hawkins. I mean, he was, like, up there plugging, making tackles, blitzing a lot. I mean, you know, just more of a studly type of kid while your free safety is more of an athletic type of center fielder that can make great plays for you. All right, coach. Well, I got to get going because I got to go out to practice, but that'll be the last time we see him. So maybe, coach, the next time we talk, we'll know who the starting quarterback is because at this point, we don't know. And today, Wednesday, will be the last day we actually get to see them out there practicing. So maybe they'll do some secret stuff. Behind the scenes of the market. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what Clay Helton has up its sleeve. And I think he's smart closing the practices now. You get into game week. Uh, you do need to have concentration, not worry about what people are seeing or what you're doing. And I think it's smart to close the practices now and let you interview them afterwards and so on. I think that they've really been great. I, thought, uh, I think Clay Helton's really been great to open up the doors and allow the press in there and people in there to watch practice a lot of universities or most don't do that so uh, i think it's been great to have us be able to see practice talk about practice but i think now it's time to lock down get ready for a game and these guys will notice that type of stuff and you can get involved and it's just different for them they know it's a different time and a different practice and you're hours away from your opening game just hours away. All right. Well, that's the Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. Coach, thanks so much for coming on, and uh, looking forward to talking to you again soon. Maybe by then we'll know who the quarterback is, but either way, we'll, we'll know a lot more, and uh, looking forward to that. Thanks a lot, Ryan, and uh, take care and have a great week, okay? Uh, all right. You too, Coach. That's Coach Harvey Hyde. I'm Ryan Abraham. Follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. 
Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.